This is the Visit the Zoo podcast, episode number 15. Today we hear about the white tiger and we try to guess three mystery animal sounds and a lot more. And welcome everybody to the Visit the Zoo podcast. My name is Frederick Fishman, and I am author and creator of the Visit the Zoo series of 120 animals and 12 books, e-books, print books, audiobooks, audiobooks available on audible.com, plus volume one DVD, a video DVD from volume one book of Visit the Zoo. The DVD is available, by the way, for wholesale. If you work in a library or bookstore and want to pick up copies for your location, you can go to Allied Vaughn or Midwest Tape. For your ebooks and print books and audiobooks too, you can go to Amazon and Create Space. Well, today we're going to take a look at Zoo News, a special Zoo News. Also going to listen to some mystery animal sounds and a full animal description of the white tiger. Beautiful, beautiful, stunning white tiger. I also want to mention that you can go to our website if you want more information on anything that you hear about Visit the Zoo. Our first website is our main website for the podcast, and that's at zooanimals.info. That's zooanimals.info. Info. My author site, my main author site, is at frederickfishman.com, and that's spelled F-I-C-H-M-A-N for the last name, frederickfishman.com. And if you want to support and help us out on Visit the Zoo and everything that we do here and all things Visit the Zoo, you can go to patreon.com slash visit the zoo. That's Patreon, spelled B-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash visit the zoo. Let's get going. What do you say? We're going to start off with zoo news. Usually we read three stories, but I'm going to concentrate only on one story today, but it's got quite a background. And this story is important because it really highlights how humans and animals and insects interact with each other. The story really stretches back or begins in 1346. And that is when the start of what is described as the most devastating pandemic in human history, the Black Death, enveloped Europe and Asia. Again, that was from 1346 to 1353. It's estimated that it killed more than 75 to 200 million humans. It also affected animals that had direct contact with humans, or vice versa, cows, sheep, goats, pigs, chickens. The first indications of this disease felt by humans were when lymph nodes started to swell, and then people, they were covered by boils, black boils. It was accompanied by fever, vomiting, aches, pains, and then death. You could go to sleep healthy at night, and by morning, you could be dead. It was transmitted through air from human to human after people got the disease from a bacillus called Yeserine pesticis. And now, a course of simple antibiotics would have stopped this 14th century plague. Antibiotics, omnipresent, you would think, well, this plague is gone. Well, not really. There are still outbreaks that occur around the world. The World Health Organization, as a matter of fact, believes that between 1,000 and 2,000 cases per year are reported to the WHO, but the unknown cases likely much higher. The WHO cites 8 to 10% 
of those who contract the disease now die from it. When it was at its peak, it covered Europe and Asia. 60% of people who contracted the disease, or 60% of the population who contracted the disease, died. It's amazing the amount of people that this disease killed. It was feared, and the blame went all around to, at that time, to rats and to mice, to spiders, cats, owls. And the way it was treated, it just seems almost inhumane these days, it was treated by the common practice back then of bleeding people, which did nothing, of course, herbs, spices. People would even beat people who had the disease, thinking they could beat the disease out of them, of course, which didn't do any good. And then minorities were blamed, too, um, for spreading the disease. It really terrorized the, the entire world for quite some time and affected human history from that point forward. And it really wasn't controllable until the advent of antibiotics 100 years ago. So it was quite a disease that really ravaged the human population. Now, there's a story that just came out to get back to the news from National Geographic, where scientists have maybe figured out how this disease was spread. Now, it is a bacterial disease, and it was transmitted from human to human, of course, through air, but it had to originate someplace. The long-held theory for a long time was that rats and mice were the culprits. Possibly fleas were involved too because the fleas would bite the rat and then the rats would get on the ships where people did all their trading back then, of course, as they do now. They would be transmitted from country to country. The two scientists from the University of Oslo, Boris Schmidt and Catherine Dean, have come up with a study, a really mathematical study, trying to figure out, well, what was it? Was it the, the flea or... Was it the rat that caused this pandemic? 3,000 skeletons were exhumed from the 16th century cemetery in London, Liverpool Station. See if they could figure out, you know, how this thing was transmitted. But what they think happened is fleas were the main culprit in the Black Death. Because when fleas became infected with a bacterium, they would bite humans. And then, of course, the fleas would be on the humans and lice would be on the humans as well back then. Uh, hygiene wasn't the highest concern of people in the 14th century. The disease would go into the bloodstream and then congregate in lymph nodes, which is throughout the human body, of course. And the infection would cause the nodes to swell into huge bubbles. That's why under the arms and by the groin, that's where it would hit. And then from there, it would spread throughout the body. But now these two scientists have figured out that, you know, maybe the fleas didn't just bite the rats and then the rats bite or spread them to the people. It's possible they're conjecturing that the fleas and lice picked up by humans directly infected the humans. And they, of course, would hop from person to person in close quarters where people were breathing and and living together. And they did this through a series of mathematics to figure out the difference between rat flea transmission and human parasite modes of transmission. The Black Plague was an epidemic of the bubonic plague. Kills about 50% of those it infects. That was back in the 1300s. So as we can see, there's nothing like a little hygiene and some antibiotics wouldn't have cured back then. Okay, let's do something a little more pleasant. We've spent a lot of time on this. Let's do something a little happier, I think. It's time now for some animal sounds. Well, we can guess what some of the animals who share our planet with us sound like. I'm not going to tell you the names of these creatures, of course, but let's just start off with their sounds, and I'll tell you who these guys are a little later on in the episode. 
All right, now that may be a pretty easy one, but I'll play it again. Okay, here is animal sound number two. Okay, here is animal sound number three. Those are the animal sounds for today, and we'll have answers shortly. All right, let's go to our next section of the Visit the Zoo podcast and get to our main description of an animal that is probably one of the most beautiful animals on the planet Earth. This is the tiger. The one we're going to talk about in particular today is the white tiger. The white tiger is a tiger. Not trying to sound snarky or silly here, but the only difference between this white tiger and the familiar gold-colored tiger is a lack of pigment in their coat caused by a missing gene. Otherwise, same animal. So let's talk about tigers. The cable TV channel Animal Planet took a poll recently with over 50,000 participating, asking the question, favorite animal, question mark. That is, what's your favorite animal in the world? The winner is the tiger, barely beating out the domesticated dog. It is probably the winner because it is the largest cat in the world with power, grace, stamina, hunting abilities. They are just beautiful to see in person here at the zoo and beautiful to watch in the wild. But in the wild, there aren't many left, maybe 4,000 total. Of that number, 1,700 live in India. India is their primary home, but they also are found elsewhere in Southeast Asia in Russia, and in China. In the last several hundred years, they have lost 93% of their habitat. The history of the tiger and how they evolved stretches back almost two million years, but their diminishing numbers has accelerated with modern human history. They are solitary creatures with females carefully and closely guarding their cubs. The white tiger cubs rarely survive because of their white coloration. They are easily spotted in mangrove swamps and grasslands. They are strong, powerful, and heavy. They weigh on average 670 pounds. The biggest on record was over 860 pounds. Truly a big guy. Unlike your pet cat or domesticated or wild feral cat, tigers love water. They hunt near there and like to swim and cool off in the water. They eat mostly small four-legged animals, but they also will eat sloth bears, crocodiles, monkeys, and even fish. They do well in captivity and thank goodness for it. Zoos care for these animals, these beautiful animals, and encourage breeding, which for the most part has been successful. Let's hope success continues. There he is, the white tiger. Sounds like a beautiful animal, doesn't it? It's beautiful when you see it in person, too. We, we have one locally here in our zoo. Just a gorgeous, gorgeous animal. Okay, let's go now back to the animal sounds. Let's see if we can figure out who these guys are and uh, a little bit about them. Let's do the first sound. And again, this is probably one that you probably know. 
one more time. That, of course, is a dolphin. The dolphin is a cetacean that includes the animals, the whales. They are the closest living relatives to the hippopotamus. They split away from the hippos about 40 million years ago. The hippos stayed on land and the cetaceans went into the water. With a firmly fixed smile, dolphins are known around the world and are seen quite favorably to humans. There are anecdotal stories of humans being saved by dolphins. They're considered very intelligent. They're distinctive from whales, of course, uh, by their size. They are about 5.7 feet long and they can weigh up to 110 pounds. The males are bigger than the females. They are very streamlined. They swim very easily in the water and they have two flippers to help guide them. They can motor up to about 35 miles per hour when necessary and they have great hearing. Some of these dolphins, these various species, can go down to great depths. The most common and well-known dolphin is the bottlenose dolphin. Unfortunately, sometimes they are hunted in Japan. They have threat to their species from habitat loss and marine pollution as well. And they have been throughout history placed very highly with man as being a friend to man. Let's go to our next animal sound and I'll tell you what this is. If you listen to the sound, it really is not evident that what you're listening to is a deer. They've been living with man for millions of years throughout human history. They are ruminant man mammals, which means they have a four-chambered stomach and they are cud chewers. They shed and grow their antlers every year. And the meat that people eat, some people, is called venison. And the skins that some people wear are called buckskin. The ranges from the tundra to the tropical forest. The highest concentration is in North America and in Canada. The white-tailed deer, the caribou, elk, moose are all found high concentration here in North America. There are also variations of this species found in Europe, China, Russia, and Asia. The largest deer is considered to be 1,800 pounds, 8.5 feet tall, and that's a moose. The smallest is the northern pudu deer which is 13 to 14 inches tall and weighs between 7.3 and 13.2 pounds. They're excellent jumpers and swimmers, and they usually eat leaves, and they've been cohabitating with man in the forest for millions of years. And finally, here is our third animal sound, and I'll tell you what this one is. Have you figured it out? Okay, those are geese. Geese are waterfowl. The term goose applies to females. Gander applies to males. And the small ones, the little babies, are called goslings. They showed up in North America about 10 million years ago. They are monogamous. They live in pairs, male and female, throughout the year and even beyond. There are story and fairy tales galore about these animals, but they've also appeared on dinner tables throughout history as well. There's nothing more beautiful than watching a flight of Canadian geese on their migration as they head south. And those are our animal sounds for today. Okay, we're going to do something a little bit different for our poem episode. I'm going to read a poem, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to read it after I play a soundtrack of the poem being read by the poet. 
himself. The poet is John Drinkwater. John Drinkwater was an English poet and dramatist and playwright. He lived between 1882 and 1937, and some of his poems were recorded and put on 78 RPM discs by the Columbia Record Corporation. The poem I'm going to let him read to you today is called Blackbird. Because his accent is so thick and because the audio quality is not the greatest, what I'm going to do is read the poem afterwards so you can get the um, full effect of his poem. So here it is, John Drinkwater, the poet, reading his poem. Blackbird. He comes on chosen evenings, my blackbird bountiful, and sings over the gardens of the town, just at the hour the sun goes down. His flight across the chimneys thick, by some divine arithmetic, comes to his customary stack, and couches there his plumage black, and there he lifts his yellow bill, kindled against the sunset, till these suburbs are like dimmock woods, where music has her solitudes. And while he mocks the winter's wrong, a rat of his pinnacle of song, figured above our garden tops, those are celestial chimney pots. Blackbird by John Drinkwater. He comes on chosen evenings my Blackford Bountiful, and sings. Over the garden of the town, just at the hour the sun goes down. His flight across the chimneys thick by some divine arithmetic comes to his customary stack and couches there his plumage black. And there he lifts his yellow bill kindled against sunset till these suburbs are like dimock woods where music has her solitudes and while he mocks the winter's wrong wrapped on his pinnacle of song figured above our garden plots those are celestial chimney pots <laughs> going to do one more sponsor read today for you. This is from our sponsor from Uncommon Core and they asked the question what does street art, reef aquariums, organic markets, fly fishing, roadsters, architecture, fashion, high-end audio, and synthesizers all have in common. Those are all topics of the Uncommon Core podcast. The Uncommon Core podcast is about ideas, experiences, perspectives that make us different from each other. Content includes live-to-tape recordings, interviews, dialogues, monologues, narrative stories, and soundscapes. In the most recent episodes, Uncommon Core podcast looks at Palooza, America's largest saltwater aquarium show, featuring author and owner of Two Little Fish, Julian Spring. That's the Uncommon Core podcast. You can check out their blog at www.uncommoncorepodcast.com or uccpodcast.com. Also, check out their great merch at www.hugthepug.com. Com. Uncommon Core Podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, and of course, YouTube. Mm-hmm. 
and that wraps up today's Visit the Zoo podcast. I want to thank you very, very much for joining me. Next week, we're going to do more news, more mystery animal sounds, a full animal description. And this time, I'm finally going to get to the one of these animals that is really fascinating to me, and that's the tarantula. And I think it's fascinating because we have seen two in our backyard since last year, and their bodies were as big as my closed fist. So these are huge animals. Also, please... Of course, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I would really appreciate it. Good comments are welcome and helpful. And remember, our websites are Zoo Animals, that's animals, plural, dot info, and my author website at frederickfishman, F-I-C-H-M-A-N dot com. And it's very important that you also go to our Patreon site at patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash visit the zoo. Your help and support would be immensely appreciated. Until next time, take care. Bye for now.